So here I'll delve a little bit into um, ancient scripture to bring out old gems of wisdom that may seem a little archaic on first reflection, but through deep meditation and allowing the words to sort of reverberate and wash around your consciousness as you rest in your breath, the words and the message underlying them start to come alive and maybe you might be able to find the relatability um, of the messages to in your present life and in a more contemporary setting. The Upanishads um, date back to around 800 to 500 BCE. Um, the, the exact dating is unknown, but they are considered the last of the canonical scripture that make up the Vedas. And the Upanishad, Upanishad literally means to sit with. So they have come about through the wandering rishis, sages and monks that wandered the forests and lived in the forest and had their sacred fires and went off with their meditations and they'd come back with these deep insights. And then others um, would come around and sit with these forest-dwelling monks and sit and listen to what they had to say. And so the teachings are quite poetic, quite concise, and um, there, there are layers to meaning. So my favourite Upanishad um, verse is from the Chandogya, uh, maybe it's pronounced Chandogya, um, but it's all about knowing the heart and understanding self as resident within the heart. It's about coming to learn what soul is. Um, It's described in the verse as the city of Brahman. So Brahman is a kind of a word for a god. It's the oneness, the all-encompassing, omnipresent, omnipotent source of all. Brahman. So Brahman is... um, the, the the original, yeah, God, I guess, um, consciousness. So when we talk about the city of Brahman in, in, within the verses, it's referring to um, entering that place of oneness with the ultimate source of being. And um, this is where the soul is said to be. And it's often described within the philosophy as Um, understanding yourself, your individual self, as a raindrop that drops into the ocean of the sea. So at one point, um, your life is like, um, the the, the glimpse of your life, the moments of your life is like when you're an individual raindrop falling from the sky and you have that momentary sense of um, separateness and unique individual, individual... expression but then soon when the drop enters the ocean it becomes part of the bigger whole 
And that raindrop hasn't disappeared. It's not completely dissolved. But what it has done is become part of the whole, part of the entire ocean. And in doing so, that um, dissolution isn't necessarily that you're disappearing. It's, in fact, a shift in perspective is required to understand that you are now the ocean. The whole ocean is, is you. So this is a beautiful par- um, poetic way to describe the paradox of oneness and, and how, um, you know, the, the individual soul is part of the tapestry of the universal soul. It's momentarily and, and sometimes perceived as distinct from it, but it's ultimately part of the source and the same quality, the same essence, the same structure, the same, yeah, being. And, um, and Kabir, the poet, beautifully describes in his poetry, his Sufi poetry, how you're not, you're actually the ocean inside the drop rather than the drop inside the ocean, yeah? So shifting that perspective, that gaze. Um, and so when we, and, and that same is reflected within this Chandogya Upanishad, it's saying how within the lotus of the heart, that tiny, tiny sacred space inside of your heart space, there is an, even though it's infinitely small and subtle, and we can't find it with a teles- um, uh, any sort of medical uh, <laughs> equipment, we can't find um, the energetic heart space, but within that, uh, in the microcosm of that, actually is a huge expanse of infinite vastness. A whole universe is contained within the tiny heart space. So as infinite as a space beyond is the space within the lotus of the heart. Both heaven and earth are contained in that inner space. Both fire, air, sun, moon, lightning, stars, all of those elements. Whether we know it in this world or know it, not everything is contained in that inner space. Yeah, so it's really beautiful to kind of think of how, um, you know, you know, as is the macro, micro, macrocosm, so is the microcosm. As is the microcosm, so is the macrocosm. You know, and this is what we have from our understanding in quantum physics too. Like what we see out there in in the galaxy and the stars, it's all kind of replicated in our cellular, in our atomic being uh, so whereas we learn more on a cellular level we learn more about astrology and the and the cosmos and that's the beauty of these teachings um, it's showing the connection it's showing the integration it's showing the relationships the patterns in nature in and within us it's helping us recognize that we are infinite beings we are timeless. We aren't destroyed. We never die. So in that next verse, never fear that old age will invade that city. Never fear that this inner treasure of all reality will decay or wither. This knows no age when the body ages. This knows no dying when the body dies. This is the real city of Brahman. This is the self, free of old age, from death and grief, hunger and thirst. In the self 
And so really, you know, and actually if you think back to those times, there was a lot of suffering, people, you know, starving, dying. There wasn't much, you know, in the way of um, healthcare and well-being. People were um, moving in this um, transformation of living from a nomadic lifestyle into an urbanised Bronze Age lifestyle. And, and as people moved into the city, um, there'd be more disease, more illness, m- more poverty and, and um, suffering. And so these teachings gave people in that context hope. It was a hard time to be alive. But you could think about today as well in our contemporary setting. Also, it's a hard time to be alive. We, you know, maybe we're more comfortable in certain material, physical ways, but there's a lot of mental health and mental suffering that goes on as a result of this sense of separation. So these teachings, as they do then, they do now, offer some solace and some reassurance that this suffering is temporary and actually our true self um, is resistant and resilient beyond the temporal. Um, it's, it, you know, the, the teaching talk of the Tandogyo Upanishad also talks about um, the, you know, our desires and the heart's desires and what's real and what's, you know, what's to be valued. And I really like this aspect because it is kind of giving permission for us to, you know, have a sense of want. It validates our desires. It, it, it proclaims that we are justified in our passions, our inspirations, our creativity. We are welcome to and invited to and deplore you know implored to go out there and get what our hearts desires are that moment when we are raindrops living an existence seemingly separate from the ocean we have our individual expression our spark our individual light our individual moments you know glistening in the sunlight it's our time to shine and therefore whatever brings us that joy to shine should be realised, should be manifested. We should go for it. Um, That's the whole purpose of life, you know, that's what it's saying. You know, why are you here living this transitory, like, mini existence in human form if it's not for something meaningful, you know, something, something to enjoy, something to express, you know? So there's a line that clearly states it here. In the self... That's kind of like the soul self. So if you go into that inner city of the lotus of the heart, whatever you perceive as your desires that arise from here, they should be actualized. Yeah, it's saying in the self, all desires are fulfilled. So not only are they fulfilled here at the soul level, but, you know, not only should we strive to achieve or attain, but they are already in the present moment actualized, you know. So time is really exploring how um, present, past, future, they all kind of collapse into the present moment and it doesn't matter if... It's kind of like, you know, you have a flair for art, you want to be an artist, um, you know, that's your true calling, that's your true essence. Well, this teaching is saying you are the artist, you have made the art, it's already... um, become you know so self, the self desires only what is real thinks nothing but what is true 
yeah so it's basically saying the soul only you know if it's a how do we how can we tell what's a fanciful desire and what's a true soul desire well we can tell if it's a true soul desire um if it arises in a in a sort of authentic way if it ha if it arises with a sense of integrity and robustness consistency you know if it keeps rising up you know then it's it's something that you, it's not a, an addiction or an attachment but it's a true heart's desire if you keep coming back to it the self desires only what is real thinks nothing but what is true so those desires that are from the self you know they they are genuine and they should be strived for here people do what they are told becoming dependent on their country or their piece of land or the desires of another so their desires are not fulfilled and their works come to nothing both in this world and in the next you know so this paragraph is talking about how you know people forego and and um miss out on their heart's desires when when they go about trying to please others or putting forward um they sort of fake fanciful wants and wishes in and when you do that in front of or beyond the true desires then you kind of nothing um comes to fruition nothing meaningful nothing true arises out of chasing the wrong dreams you know you have to commit to and dedicate to chasing the authentic dreams for this life and for the benefit of the next so those who depart from this world without knowing who they are or what they truly desire have no freedom here or hereafter if you chase your tail and chase um fanciful attachments and and pleasures as opposed to true authentic genuine heart desires you kind of leave this earth plane without having freedom and freedom really is the ultimate goal of a yoga practice yoga uh, the path and the process is all about releasing the shackles and attachments of the illusion illusory of the sort of um the, the sort of yeah losing the shackles of what's not real and and through practicing yoga it's, the hope is the enlightenment right arises from letting go of what is unreal letting go of the illusion of the superficial and getting an um a deeper connection to truth and authenticity those who depart from this world without knowing who they are or what they truly desire have no freedom here so this teaching again this verse it really is about getting to know your soul getting to know your soul's desires it talks about being you know if you if you don't do that then it's like walking around walking past your treasure day in day out 
stepping over it, tripping, tripping over it without even noticing it, the deep treasures. It's described as being in a deep sleep. So the self is hidden in the lotus of the heart. Those who see themselves in all creatures go day by day into the world of the Brahman, hidden in the heart. So um, how do we, you know, it's given to you right there. How do we find the treasure? How do we see our soul? How do we come to learn our soul? Well, by recognizing that every single day, everyone, everyone else, every other creature, every mammal, every um, sentient being is part of us. You know, we're all raindrops in that same ocean. We're all the same. We're all one. Um, When we can treat others in that way, then we get closer to knowing and respecting and honouring our own soul. So established in peace, they rise above body consciousness to the supreme light of the self. Immortal and free from fear, this self is Brahman, called the true. Beyond the mortal and the immortal, he binds both worlds together. Those who know this live day by day in heaven in this very life. So um, the rest of this verse is really kind of stating that heaven isn't something that you um, attain to when you're dead. It's about recognising in the daily life now, your daily life now in this very moment can be um, delightful, joyful, peaceful and free, a place you know, heaven on earth, just through the shift in realisation that you're not just your body, but your consciousness is um, part of the universal soul. The self is a bulwark against the confounding of these worlds and a bridge between them. So... Yeah, it's basically learning oneself. Day and night cannot cross that bridge, nor age, nor old death, nor death, nor grief, nor evil or good deeds. So it's getting to know the soul, all the experiences you have. Not only do the material aspects of your life become irrelevant, but so do all your life experiences, whether good or bad, evil or good deed, doesn't really matter. Ultimately, it's about essential energy. And um, energy is kind of colourless in in respect to life's experiences. It's not, you know, nothing tarnishes the truth. So reaching that, you know, getting to that place within the present moment, that place of pure uh, um, understanding... Only those who are pure and self-controlled can find this world of Brahman. That world is theirs alone. In that world, in all the worlds, they live in perfect freedom. So this kind of points to the idea of um, a yoga practice in a way and how, you know, working slowly and diligently and carefully through self-control, through a commitment to purity in in heart and, and spirit and thoughts, beliefs, actions, we can slowly start to shed the layers of illusion and get closer to the truth 
of the soul and its desires. So for me, that really is just um, a call to recognize that you have the power within yourself, uh, the role and the responsibility to, you know, diligently honor authenticity, to live your life in your own truth, to attain to your own goals, not other people's goals, not pleasing others and, and doing what you think you should do, no shoulds, but actually really tapping into what your heart is, what makes your heart sing and really going for that because that's why you're here. And um, when, when you can do that, then each day isn't work. When you're working towards your true heart's desires, it's never work, you know. It's actually freedom. And freedom is the ultimate path and goal of yoga. Namaste.